Hello and welcome. Thank you so much for listening. This is Embodied Astrology, and this is Renee, your astrologer and host. I am a consulting astrologer, I am a sensate intuitive, and a somatic movement educator, and this podcast is where I talk about astrology and all the ways that we can use astrology to understand what's going on in our bodies, i.e. in our lives. What we're feeling, what we're thinking about, our relationships, the shit that's going on in the world, and how it's all affecting us. In today's podcast, I'm going to be talking about the full moon in Scorpio, and I am recording on the day of the full moon, May 18th, 2019. The podcast has four parts. In part one, I'm going to be talking about the embodiment of the full moon. And so this is the Taurus-Scorpio axis. The sun is in Taurus, the moon is in Scorpio. I'm going to be looking at the body rulerships and their connections to each other, the emotional and the psychological rulerships, and how these embodiments and these emotions and the psychology of these signs functions in the structures and the conditions of our lives and relationships. Part one is about a half an hour. And um, from now, when I get into it, it'll be about 28 minutes. You can get into part two at about 35 minutes in. And in part two, I'm going to be talking about astrology, the chart for the full moon, what's been going on in the last couple of weeks, what's going on today, and the general vibe and feeling of the current astrology and how I'm kind of sensing it in myself and in my clients, not specifically, but thinking more about the planets and their significance. That part is about 15 minutes. At about 50 minutes in, I get into part three. And in part three, I'm going to be talking about the cluster of shit that is the world right now and all the things that are going on politically, environmentally, globally, what's happening in terms of our collective consciousness and awareness that seems to be surfacing with this full moon. That's some shit. That's about half an hour. About an hour and 16 minutes in, I get into part four. And part four is a healing meditation. And it's a journey into the content and the embodiment that we've been talking about and um, some very simple and yet, in my experience, also really powerful practices that we can do to heal and to resolve and to work with a lot of this stuff. I want to give a trigger warning for the entire podcast in parts one, two, three, and four, I'm going to be talking about things that might be a lot. There's a lot of stuff that goes on with these parts of our bodies, that goes on with these kinds of emotions and psychologies and situations and relationships, and certainly with the politics of right now. So trigger warning, if you have been saturated with a lot of feelings in this last week, last couple weeks, all of your life, um, you might just want to go listen to comedy, you know, take a walk. You don't need to listen to this podcast right now. Although it could be really healing and it could provide some context, but I just want to say, I'm going to be talking about pelvises and pelvic organs, uh, reproductive systems and anatomy. I'm going to be talking about mouths and throats and lips and tongues. I'm going to be talking about trauma. I'm going to be talking about violence. I'm going to be talking about toxicity and uh, systems of control. I'm going to be talking about abortion. I'm going to be talking about politics. I'm going to be talking about incarceration and detainment and what happens to our bodies in the world. 
bodily autonomy. And there's a lot of stuff for a lot of people with all this stuff. Please take care of yourself. Please, please, please take care of yourself. All right. Before I get into the astrology, I do want to just take a minute and say thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for supporting this work. If you enjoy this work, if you find it valuable in your life, please share it with your friends. That is the easiest and the quickest way to support Embodied Astrology is to let other people know about it. You can click all the hearts and the likes and leave me comments. That also really helps drive traffic to EA. You can leave five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts, and you can also send me messages. I love it when I hear from you. It helps me keep going to know that you're out there, you're listening, and you're getting something from this work. Even if I don't respond, um, I hear you and I appreciate you. This work is sustained entirely by you, and that means that your financial support goes so far. If you want to send a one-time donation, it's really easy to do that by going to embodiedastrology.com and clicking the donate button. If you would like to become a sustaining member or a monthly donor, you can do that. You can donate at any amount per month. And because I am so grateful to you for helping me do this work that I love and that I believe in, monthly donors get all kinds of goodies. Every single month you get my month ahead offerings, and that includes the month ahead forecast. That's a recording as well as a PDF. It's a planner and a calendar. You can use it to plan with the astrology, to use it for your best benefit, to contextualize your life, to help you process what's going on, and just generally to kind of have an idea of the lunar cycles and the planetary aspects that are happening throughout the month. You also get a guided meditation that can bring you into the essence of the zodiacal season, and there are month ahead horoscopes for all 12 signs. All of that stuff. All of that content is coming out in just a couple of days. Gemini season begins on May 21st. Make sure to check back in with me then. The horoscopes and the meditations are free. Everything else is for sale uh, by sliding scale and donation. So I believe in accessibility. Please help me continue to make this work accessible and continue to make this work at all by supporting it financially if you can. Thank you again so much for your support. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Happy full moon, everybody. I hope you enjoy the podcast. I want to start off today's podcast thinking really just about the body. And in the last couple of days, as I've been considering this full moon, I've been feeling it so deeply in my body. So let's begin there. The full moon is always an opposition between two points, the sun and the moon, and that's what makes the moon look full, is that the moon is shining from a part in the sky that seems like it is opposite to where the sun is, and it is from our perspective here on Earth. And the moon is fully reflecting the light of the sun, and in an embodied perspective, what this does is it illuminates certain axes within our bodies. And so the axis of Taurus and Scorpio, currently the sun is in Taurus, the moon is in Scorpio, is the axis of um, the digestive chain. And also what I'm thinking about today or what I'll call today as the pleasure connection in the body. Pleasure connection and also... Um, 
not pleasure connection. I mean, these are places in our bodies where we get really hooked, um, where we can get extremely entangled and entrenched, and where others can take control of our bodies. So there's a lot of power in these places of our bodies. These are places where we have a lot of personal power. There's a lot of pleasure. There's a lot of agency. We feel like we can have what we want and we get the richness of our human embodied experience. And exactly those places are also where outside forces as well as our own unresolved inner forces can take control of our bodies. I've been talking about this in the last couple of podcasts that have been released. And at the new moon in Taurus, I did another kind of meditation um, around this. And it was more ancestral kind of thinking about how we've developed in relationship to money and power. Taurus is a sign that is very closely associated to wealth as a Scorpio. Um, today, I'm going to think about it a little bit differently. So let's just start with Taurus. Bring your attention to your mouth lick your lips, um, swallow a couple of times, feel your tongue, feel your lower jaw and your throat. And just notice what it feels like to pay attention to this part of your body. This is where you meet the outer world. It's one of the places where the outer world is something that you ingest and you make choices to consume. So you might smell what there is to smell um, if there's anything to smell around you, the sense of smell and the sense of taste are very closely entwined. And as you lick your lips and as you swallow, you might just think about eating and your relationship to food and what it is to smell something or taste something and desire to put it in your mouth in that way um, or to feel hunger and what happens in the mouth. You know, the salivary glands start to activate and the digestive process kind of begins with the smell of something and with the mouth becoming ready to consume. Scorpio uh, rules the part of your body that is your genitals and your reproductive organs and your organs of defecation. So if you bring your attention into your pelvic floor, and I say pelvic floor knowing that a lot of people don't really know what the pelvic floor is. And this is something that in my work as a somatic movement educator and as a body educator, I've really focused on quite a lot is recognizing that largely in part due to such an intense and deeply embedded legacy of shame in our culture around sexuality and um, shit, <laughs> that there is a lot of unknowing uh, for a lot of folks um, around this part of their body, and especially for women, especially for people who have vaginas and uh, uteri. Um, these are internal sex organs and you can't see them just with your naked eye. You've got to like kind of get in there and root around. They're very mysterious. And a lot of people never learn the words for their own anatomy. And so when I say pelvic floor or when you hear your Pilates teacher talking about the pelvic floor or your yoga teacher talking about, you know, the tailbone or something like that, a lot of the time, a good portion of whoever is hearing that language doesn't really know what it means. Like there might be a kind of general idea of what the pelvic floor is. And so I want to just take a minute to break it down. And if you're somewhere where 
it's comfortable and uh, you either don't mind being seen or there's nobody to see you, you might just use your hands and palpate your own pelvic floor. And um, if, if you've ever been to a yoga class or some other kind of movement class where you've heard someone talk about the diamond shape of the pelvic floor, that diamond is formed with four points. And those four points are your coccyx, that's the tip of your tailbone, which is not the same thing as your sacrum. And sometimes people get them confused, but the tip of your tailbone for most people is just behind your asshole. So you have to kind of get up in there and see if you can find it. And it's a, it's a little tip. It's your vestigial tail. Humans used to have tails. We evolved from um, who knows what, but little beings that probably had tails. The uh, point opposite to that is the kind of lowest part of your pubic bone. And I don't have a penis, um, so I can't really speak about it in terms of like where it is. And I'm not around penises a lot, so I'm not entirely sure. But for women um, or people with vaginas, excuse me, there's um, the, the lower part of the pubic bone is just in front of the vaginal opening. And I think for people with penises, it's probably just behind the or kind of underneath the base of the penis. And the lower portion of the pubic bone, if you roll forwards in your seat, you might be able to feel it, but it's probably easier to feel with palpation with your hands. The other two points of the diamond are your sits bones, and your sitting bones are the bony bones that you sit on. So when you sit down on a hard bench or something and you feel your butt bones, those are your sits bones. And so those four points create a cross or they create a diamond. And your pelvic floor is the area that is encompassed in their relationship. And the center of the pelvic floor is what's called the perineum. And you may have heard it referred to as the taint, like taint here nor there. It's between your asshole and your genitals. So Scorpio is the, the ruler of this part of the body, of the pelvic floor, and the organs there. And so your asshole, of course, is the end of your rectum. Um, your rectum is the end of your large intestine. It's where poop comes out. Um, and then, of course, you have your genital orifices and um, instruments, whatever they happen to be, and uh, the urethra um, or the opening where pee comes out. And the organs that are attached, of course, we have um, people have vaginal openings, um, uterus and ovaries, and then there's um, the kind of mechanics of the testicles and how the testicles relate to the penis through um, what are called the vas deferens. So there are these kind of tubes that move sperm from the testes to the penis. And all of that is Scorpio's terrain. So the organ bodies of your reproductive organs, of your genitals, um, and the organs of defecation. And in this part of the body, we have a lot of blood, and then we also have poop. And um, you, you might just, you know, even thinking about those things, it's like you get a real kind of visceral sense of the um, color and texture and the feeling of what Scorpio is. So it's a lot of power and um, a whole lot of other kinds of feelings, probably because of how most of us relate with this part of our bodies. 
In the last part of today's podcast, I'm going to do a healing meditation and embodiment. Um, and if just in this kind of brief check-in, you felt like, Ooh, there's a lot there for me, like a lot I want to explore or a lot I haven't explored before, please make sure to tune in for that. There's a lot of emotional, um, content in these parts of the body, of course, uh, in the Taurus ruled part of the body, the mouth, the tongue, the throat, the sense of smell, the sense of taste, the kind of desire that's there. You can imagine like smelling a beautiful flower or tasting your favorite food or kissing your lover, like the kind of hunger and pleasure that can come through the oral opening and the oral orifice is Taurus, right? It's like, mm-hmm. and Taurus is also the gate where our voice is released. And uh, in a couple of days, when I put out the Gemini season material, um, I'll talk a little bit about the relationship between Gemini, which is uh, the voice, and then Taurus, which is the conduit for the voice. And the conduit for the voice um, has a quality to it that ideally is steady. And when we give voice to something, we make it real. My colleague and friend, Sarah Trelise, um, if you're a Portland person, you might know her. She's an amazing yoga teacher and somatic educator and therapist. Um, once said to me, and I'll never forget this because it made such a profound impact on me, and I was going through some hard stuff um, with an important relationship, and I was really pissed off, and like I wanted to say something about it to the person that I was relating with, and she just said, you know, Renee, like, be patient and wait until your voice is clear, because as soon as you say something, you're going to make it real. Like as soon as you utter these words and you put it out into the world and another person hears it, that idea is going to land and you're going to make it real. And so Taurus is a testament to the power of our voices, that when we use our voices and when we're really grounded in what it is that we are speaking, that we can manifest from a place of truth. We can also use our voices in incredibly destructive and cruel ways, or we can use our voices to bind ourselves because of our feelings of insecurity and unworthiness. And Taurus is the ruler of these kinds of feelings. Um, Taurus is the second sign. It's very associated to money and wealth and value. And in the astrology chart, Taurus is related to the second house, which is the area of the chart that speaks to value, value systems, your finances, and sensations of enoughness or worthiness. I'm someone, maybe like you, that works with a lot of insecurity. And um, this podcast is a really good example. Like the more people tune into it, the more pressure I feel, the more insecure and scared I get around my voice. Like there's a lot of pressure, it feels like, to say something, to say the right thing, or uh, to say something that's making sense, that gets the point across, or something like that. And oftentimes, and I'm not private about this information, it's something that I share because I think it's valuable and worthwhile to share this for anyone 
that's listening because I'm taking up space on a platform and I'm a Leo sun, Leo rising, I can come across with a lot of confidence. But after almost every release of a podcast, I'll uh, have 24 to 48 hours of intense insecurity, um, sometimes to the point of a panic attack or you know, really deep grief and fear. <sighs> I'm just going to take a deep breath with that as I feel that. The feelings that I'm having are, yes, related to the things I'm saying, but also related to just security and whether or not I feel like I have something to offer in that space or are people going to like it and da, 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 like these kinds of very deep feelings that if I follow them to their core, if I follow them to their root, I get to a core belief of I'm not a good person. And that brings up a whole lot of doubt for me about how much space I can take up and how much I can ask for. I know that I am not unique in that core belief. I know that I share that core belief with probably billions of people and that the anxiety that I feel in using my voice is something that a lot of people feel. And when we utter something, when we try and speak something, if we ask for something, if we um, assert something, the power of the voice is so great and it attaches so deeply to our sensations of whether or not we have a right to speak, to take up space and to take in nourishment and sustenance because that is the domain of Taurus in the body. In the mirroring of Taurus and Scorpio, because this is an opposition with Scorpio in our nether regions, I mean, I don't even need to get into the emotional rulership of this sign. You already know it. When I ask you to feel into this part of your body, you already know the emotions that are here. They are complex and they are deep and they are sticky and they are swampy and they are fucking powerful and maybe they don't make sense and they will hook you and they will bind you and you will use them to hook and bind other people. Scorpio is frozen water. In the zodiac, Scorpio is associated to the eighth house, uh, excuse me, in the natal chart. So it's associated to the eighth house. And this is the place of shadow, taboo, secrecy, emotional entanglements, intimacies, vulnerabilities, and death. It's that kind of power. When we check in with these parts of our bodies, there's so much that's there. And I want to say that in both of of these parts of our bodies, um, agency and power is a really big theme. Can we have what we want? And does having what we want mean that we have power over others? And that's a, it's a really big and important part of both Scorpio and Taurus is power. And where we get our personal power is always related to other bodies, other human bodies, the bodies of animals, the bodies of plants, the bodies of the earth. What we're going to consume means that we have to take it from somewhere else. Are we taking uh, from a place of our own insecurity and lack or fear or dominance? Or are we taking from a place of really connected pleasure and consent? Just going to leave that there to linger for a minute. 
These are parts of our bodies that are directly acted upon by the structures and conditions of our lives. And the structures and conditions include what's very close in, our immediate circumstances, what we've been born into with our families in terms of belief systems and access to resource and privilege, where we're positioned geographically, what's happening around us in the culture that we live in, what state do you live in, what town, etc., what country, by the systems of rulership within our cultures. Our bodies are acted upon in these places, in a whole lot of places, but especially in these places, it's where uh, power comes into our bodies and also leaves our bodies. In the third part of today's podcast, I'm going to get into talking about some stuff that's happening in the world. As I'm talking about the body, your mind is probably, many of you, already going to these issues You probably already know what they are, what they're going to be. Sexuality is huge. It's a huge way that governments exert control and religious institutions exert control or whatever institution, the medical institution, the educational institution, the healthcare institution exert control over our bodies through our genitals and our sexuality, our gender, our orientations, etc. There are a very few, um, and it's a very specific slice of the population who are affirmed in this part of their body. Like, yes, you have a right to exist here. You have a right to take up space. You have a right to have this shape. You have a right to have this desire. You have a right to have this um, output, (laughs) you know, whatever it is that you're secreting from this space. Like, that's right and that's good. And then there's a whole chunk of the population that this part of their body is told by every single institution, that part of your body is bad, that part of your body is shameful, that part of your body deserves to be controlled by other people whose bodies are better than yours. What you secrete and what exits your body um, is shameful, it's disgusting, it's dirty, and it belongs to someone else. People who, uh, this part of their body doesn't fit in to either of those two, even fucking worse. Monster, beast, you're distorted. You know, the kinds of messaging we get in this part of our body is so deep. It's so foundational. In the yoga system, thinking about chakras and these wheels of energy that turn in our bodies that allow us to be connected to our divine sources of power, the vertical axis and connection between earth and sky. This part of the body holds the the root, the muladhara chakra, and then the sacral chakra, the second chakra. So the root chakra is basic security, basic survival. You have a right to be here. You have a right to exist. When this energetic center is shut down, we go into fight or flight. We're constantly fighting and fleeing. When this part of the body is shut down for a long time, we freeze. We lose our vitality. We don't have a right to be here. If I don't, if I don't have a connection to my root and a connection to my source, I don't have a connection to my power. I don't have a connection to my agency. I don't have a connection to my vitality at all. 
I'm open territory for other energies to come in and occupy me. They'll tell me what's important. They'll tell me what I want. They'll tell me what to believe in. They'll tell me what stance I should take. If I'm not connected to my power, I'm nothing. The second chakra, the sacral chakra, is our desire center. It's our pleasure center, and it's our creativity. What am I going to create in the world? I can create because I have passion, because this is pleasurable. That kind of creativity is so juicy. You know, when we're really creating from a place of pleasure, a place of connection, a place of, um, you know, really deeply rooted insecurity, right? In, In the first chakra, the joy that can arise because we're just here on earth. We want to create beauty. We want to create excitement. We want to create connection. We want to create health and vibrancy. If I don't have security in my body, if I'm fighting, if I'm fleeing, if I'm hung up on dominance issues, then this part of my body is going to mutate. It's going to distort. And how I feel myself there is either, again, going to be totally shut down and scared and and shameful Or it's going to come out in really aggressive and messed up ways. The detriment and the exaltation of these parts of our bodies, they go hand in hand. So it's not one or the other. You know, there's definitely the potential to feel all of these things all at once. In our Taurus-ruled parts of the body, so much power is uh, exerted on our bodies. Do we have enough to eat? Do I have enough money? Do I have access to the things that I need? This is basic security issues. Something that I feel a lot in the work that I do because I feel so privileged to do this kind of work, to spend my life thinking about astrology and thinking about somatics and thinking about art and working with people to you know, move towards their happiness and best benefit. I I think so much about how fucking sad I am that this is not available to so many people, that there are so many people in the world that are dealing with really basic security issues. Like, do I have enough to eat? Do I have a safe and warm place to sleep tonight? Am I going to, you know, is my body going to be safe throughout my day and night? Or, Or am I at risk of violence? So many people are dealing with that so much of the time. And that includes people from all walks of life, from all class levels, from all skin colors, from all body types. You know, we don't really know what's going on for a lot of folks. And these kind of basic security issues are really present for a lot of people. The structures and the conditions that take control in these parts of our bodies end up, uh, or, or what they do, in a kind of physiological way to us is they shut us down in these parts of our bodies. So we get really locked and tense in our mouths and throats. Our jaws get really tight. When the jaw gets tight, we cut off uh, the connection between the brain and the spinal cord. We get really a a lot of condension, condension is not a word, condensing and contraction in the root of the brain, which is the primitive part of the brain, the more reptilian function, because we're in survival mode. We get really locked up in our throat. We can't speak in a clear way. We can't ask for what we want. 
you know, we, we can't trust that if, if we do actually ask for what we want, that our voices are going to be heard. And so the futility of voice becomes trapped in the throat and the upper heart. I'm sure you've felt that at certain times in your life where it's like I'm asking for something that I want and for whatever reason the thing that I'm saying isn't landing, it's not being received, it's not being responded to. And the kind of anxiety that builds in the body, I'm feeling it now as I'm talking, I feel it very strongly in the root of my throat and my upper heart and this kind of like anxious, panicky feeling. The pelvic floor shuts down with fear. And most of us are in such a state of fear most of the time. And that fear is intergenerational. It's inherited trauma. And it's also systemic all the time. We're overstimulated constantly in the world. And there are unceasing messages of violence all the time. And most people, you know, ask them to check in with their pelvic floor. And that shit is so locked up. And it's not only that, you know, I don't know where it is or what you're talking about, but I've been taught my entire life that this is a part of my body to hide, to pretend that it doesn't exist. Or if I am going to allow it to exist, then it has to be objectified. It has to be put out in very particular ways. It can't just be the thing that it is. I can't just be there and be natural in it. And so that part of the body then also becomes very locked, and when we're locked up, again, in these parts of our bodies, we're not, we don't feel safe. We can't make good choices. We can't feel any kinds of pleasure in our body. We cannot feel sovereign. We don't feel autonomy. <sighs> so in this full moon, if you are feeling a lot of activation in these kinds of feelings, in these kinds of general layers of awareness, etc., I am not surprised. I know that I am. Again, in the last part of this podcast, I'm going to offer a healing meditation. So please check in for that. And now I'm going to just take a few deep breaths and then I'll move into part two. And I'm going to talk about the astrology of this full moon. So looking at the chart for this full moon, it's quite a remarkable chart. There's a lot that's going on. And as I mentioned, of course, the moon is in opposition to the sun and the moon travels pretty fast. So over the course of the last two weeks, since we had our new moon in Taurus, the moon has made several aspects. And in the last couple of days, um, the moon has formed oppositions to Uranus and Venus, and Uranus and Venus are currently conjunct, both in Taurus. The moon has formed an opposition to the planet Mercury, and now to the sun. And the moon has also formed a trine to Neptune and sextiles to Saturn, um, to the south node, to Saturn, and to Pluto. So if you're an astrology person, like, you know what all that is. Oh, I also forgot to say, uh, the moon has formed a trine to Mars and Cancer and the North Node in Cancer. So if that all is landing for you and you're like, aha, yep, got you, great. Um, now I'm just going to talk about that in terms of feeling. So the moon is emotional awareness. And two weeks ago, we had a new moon in Taurus. And you can listen to that podcast if you haven't already, but um during that new moon, I was talking a lot about how a lot is changing. 
And this is in large part uh, connected with Uranus and Taurus. And this is not causal, okay? It's not because like Uranus is in Taurus that all these things are changing. But astrology is a way that we can reflect upon our experiences. And it's pretty magical. I mean, what is happening in the sky provides this symbolic context for what a lot of us are going through. And Uranus and Taurus is a symbol of very deep and um, kind of sturdily rooted structures starting to change. Taurus, again, ruler of bodies, ruler of manifest materiality, ruler of wealth, ruler of food, ruler of agriculture. Uranus coming in, seven years in this sign, Uranus is bringing upheaval energy, revolution energy. The new moon um, was aspecting with Uranus, like it was really bringing this uh, kind of sensation forwards of like, okay, change, things are different, things are going to be changing. And in our bodies, again, um, there's the rulership of Taurus over the mouth and the throat, but there's also the rulership of Taurus just over the body and our physicality and our ability to get what we need in order to sustain our physicality. And the physicality includes your body and anything you own, right? Any, um, anything that's connected to your material reality. As the moon has moved into opposition, it has made a number of important aspects. And these aspects are with, for, for the most part, outer planets. And that means planets that are moving really slowly. Uranus is one of those planets. Neptune is one of those planets. Saturn and Pluto are those planets. And that really slow movement is culture. It's like stuff is happening in the outer world and none of us exist in a vacuum. So we are affected by the things that are happening around us. But the moon is very personal. So in our personal experiences over the last couple of weeks, we've confronted a lot of issues that are coming in from the external environment. And this is coming into our realm through very personal interactions. And you might not even recognize like, oh, this thing is happening and it has to do with this larger structure. But you might also recognize it because this is what's called um, like experiencing life through the archetypal level. And if anybody listening, and I know a lot of people listening are like therapists or other astrologers or people who are doing divination, if you're a body worker, if you're working with clients and you're regularly encountering um, a diverse you know, group of people, it's like you're working with multiple people regularly, you probably notice that themes come up in waves and like a whole bunch of people will come in with a particular presentation or a particular kind of thing that they're going through. And in these last few weeks, um, all of these aspects that have been coming in have been feeling like breaking and cracking and surfacing and exploding and having a lot of very deep emotions rising up in such a way that the current and present moment cannot be extrapolated from history. And that might mean personal history, family history, um, or ancestry and cultural history. As um, the, the full moon is coming into its opposition, and that's in a couple of hours um, from when I'm recording this, 
the way that the moon is aspecting is pulling these really deep, long-held patterns of Saturn and Pluto and Capricorn. It's pulling them into our emotional subjective experience in very deep and personal ways. This is Scorpio. A lot of planets are moving through Taurus right now. The sun has been there for almost a month. Mercury has been there for a couple of weeks. Venus just moved into Taurus. Of course, Uranus is there too. So all of these planets are, are the personal planets, sun, moon, Mercury, Venus. This has to do with our consciousness, the sun, our emotions and our mood, the moon, how we're thinking about things and what we're talking about, Mercury, Venus, our love, our connection, our friendships, and our attachments, what we're connecting to. All of these feelings are encountering something that feels very deep, very systemic, potentially really dark. I've been noticing in myself, in my personal life, very much and with every single client, every single one, zero exception, that Toxic, destructive systems are surfacing in our lives. It's coming out in relationships. There are like weird things happening in relationships, stuff that people are, it's like, what is going on? I've had this in my personal life, you know, where I've been an actor of it, where I'm like, why the fuck did I do that? What the hell is going on? It's like some unconsciousness or toxicity surfaces in me and then it it blows out and then it blows something up and it blows something apart and then there's shit everywhere and the whole thing is a bloody mess. Or maybe you've had that kind of experience. It's happening in a relationship. It's happening in some kind of structure in your life. Long-held, stuck things are releasing. It's intense. It's like intense shit. It's deep shit. It's coming out. People are having a lot of feelings. There are a lot of feelings that are surfacing right now, a lot of trauma that's getting um, triggered and released. I know that, again, in my personal life, in every single client, zero exceptions, when we really get into what these circumstances are, it's very obvious that things are getting triggered that have a lot more to do um, with deeper issues than something that's happening in the present moment. It's like the present moment is the issue, right? Like this is the thing, but that's just a current manifestation of something that's much deeper. And you might want to take a look in your astrology chart, see where Capricorn is, see where Taurus is, see where Scorpio is, see where Cancer is. These signs are getting super activated right now with all of these transits, and those areas of your life may be where a lot of shit is coming up, where you're feeling really triggered, where um, circumstances are happening or relationships are changing. For everybody, it's going to look really different. So all of these clients that I'm talking about, everybody's situation is vastly different. But on an archetypal level, people are going through the same things. So that's what I mean when we experience something on the level of archetype. It's like, okay, this is my experience, but it's our experience right now. And there's a lot of damage that can be done when we equate our experiences with each other. And I think that's part of what's happening right now is we each need to be recognized and positioned and realize how as individuals we play a part in these larger systems 
And so lessons are going to be coming up about that right now. And um, in the next part, when I get into part three and I talk about politics and some of the current events, these are big triggers for a lot of people. And you might be one of these people. I think there's a lot of us right now that the stuff that's going on in the world, yeah, maybe it feels separate from the stuff that's going on personally, but it is existing and it's taking up a lot of space and it's incredibly traumatic and we can't not be affected by it. And so then in our personal lives, when we're having interactions where these kinds of sentiments that we might be feeling towards these larger situations and structures are triggered or we're reminded of them or they come up in conversation or someone acts like that or da da da, then we're going to fucking blow up or we're going to have some big messy experience inside or something's going to come out. So I do want to say with Scorpio that there's a lot of sting. There can be a poison, you know, that part of what Scorpio represents is poisonness and toxicity and venom. This is also a really transformative sign. And it's a sign that has to do with deep alchemy. And the only way that I can continue to go on in this moment is to see that this is a potential opening and the kind of toxicity that's surfacing is not new. It is uh, symptomatic of toxicity that has existed for a very long time. And I believe, I truly believe that humanity is reaching a moment in its collective consciousness where we are able to see a lot of this toxicity, where we can recognize it and we can start to make really different choices and we can do some profound healing work. And I hear a lot from people, it's like, this is going to take generations, you know, like in my lifetime, I'm never going to see this end. On the one hand, that perspective is really important. We can't expect a a perfect, perfect outcome. We have to be willing to be in it for the long haul. This is a lifetime process of resolving our trauma and waking up to it. On the other hand, I think we can awaken. And it's this is the, the first of the yoga sutras, if you're a yoga person, and whether or not you are, it's a valuable message. Um, that The first sutra is um, yoga is now. The moment of yoga is now. And yoga is not the fucking pose. It's like union. It's coming together with the heart and the mind and the body. It's the present moment. It's getting connected. It's being present in yourself. That moment is now. You can make the decision right now to wake up. Your entire life has led you to this moment. You have everything that you need. If this message is coming in, if you, if for whatever reason in the moment you go, this is the moment, the moment is now, you can wake up. And the second sutra is yoga is the cessation of identifying with the mental patterns, with the thought patterns. Our minds go loop, 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 loop. We've got all these stories that we're telling about who you are and who I am and what I need and what you get and da, 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 what I need to survive. All really important stuff, all totally valid, all thinking. If we got really present, those stories would drastically change. If we got really present, if everybody in the entire world right now took 10 deep breaths, got so present in their bodies and actually felt what was going on, we would have a revolution. 
Scorpio is that potential, actually. The kind of emotional intensity that it can bring up is that potential where something happens and it feels so cataclysmic and deep and uh, provocative that we go, holy motherfucker, what the hell is going on? And it wakes us up. And we can transform. We can feel like, wow, this is the habit. This is the pattern. I don't want to do this anymore. I need to heal and I can heal and I'm going to claim my healing. That's a, that's a Scorpio sensation. I'm going to claim this. This is mine. I can claim my power as Scorpio. So I'm going to leave part two with that. I'm going to take a few more deep breaths and then I'm going to come back for part three and I'm going to talk a little bit about what's happening in the world. And I want to give a trigger warning. Part three, even more than parts one and two, might be a trigger. I'm going to talk about abortion. I'm going to talk about race, rape. I'm going to talk about race. I'm going to talk about incest. I'm going to talk about trauma. I'm going to talk about incarceration and detainment. And I'm going to talk about um, violence. You might hear all that and be like, hell no, I've had enough I don't want to think about it. I've been thinking about it all week. I don't blame you if you want to skip right ahead to part four and get into a healing meditation. Please feel free to do that. Um, All of the times are in the show notes. I say that in the introduction, but just as a reminder, if you want to skip part three, check out the show notes, skip ahead to part four. Right. So as I mentioned in part two, there is a lot of trauma surfacing and it is affecting us personally. It's affecting all of us. So we cannot separate ourselves from these larger societal contexts. And with today's full moon, again, the moon is very personal and it's our mood and it's our feelings and it is our subjective awareness, what we're paying attention to right now in this moment. As I'm recording this podcast, it's about four hours before the full moon. And a lot of feelings are present. Deep shit, intense shit. The last couple of days, um, I've been feeling a lot. Like I, in my practice, I've been moving more and more towards just trying to attune on the day when I'm recording, talking about the astrology that is now. I'm not a predictor. I don't know what the fuck is going to happen, but I am an astrologer and I'm an observer and I'm a somatic person and a sensate intuitive. And what that means is I feel things in my body a lot and working on the archetypal level, as I mentioned in part two, is like I'm working with people all the time. I'm always connecting with you. You, you know, you. Whether or not we've ever talked, whether or not um, we've ever made any personal connection, like I spent a lot of time feeling (laughs) and, and trying to feel into. And part of that practice for me is reading the news. And I'm not gonna claim to be any expert on the news at all. I don't really, I don't know. Like I'm not a politics expert. And there's a lot of stuff that's going on that has very deep and complicated roots, and I'm somewhat aware but not entirely. And so if I say something and it's out of line or if it's not informed or if it's just wrong, I'm sorry. Um, But this is what I'm noticing. 
over the course of the last um, couple of years since Donald Trump has gone into office in the United States, there has been a really big push by the far right and fundamentalist Christian Catholic religious groups um, to exert control over women's bodies and to overturn Roe v. Wade. And of course, the United States has been somewhat of a leader here. And there are plenty of places in the world where women's bodies are so policed and um, controlled. And so the fact that American women um, and people have had access to abortion and uh, family planning and these kinds of health services for the last 50 years or whatever has, you know, has been significant. It's been an important thing. And a lot of folks are wanting to overturn this. And so we have like, you know, this moment where Margaret Atwood and Octavia Butler have basically called it out. You know, we're living the handmaid's tale. We're living the parable of the sower. And if you know those books, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't know those books, go read them or watch the TV series or whatever. Um, the, uh, the Trump administration has been really active in pursuing the agenda of the fundamentalist um, religious groups. And this pro-life stance that is control over women's bodies has been a really big issue. And a lot of these folks want to get Roe v. Wade overturned. And whether or not they agree with Trump, who is one of the least Christian people I've ever witnessed, you know, this guy is like an adulterer and he's into all kinds of kinky shit and he's a fucking asshole and he takes advantage of people and he's mean and he says horrible things and like nothing about him is godly or Christian. So these religious rights folks are willing to overlook all of that because they know that Trump will put in conservative judges like Neil Gorsuch or uh, whatever the fuck the other guy's name is. I don't remember how many judge appointments he's made so far, but it's over a hundred judges that the Trump administration has appointed in uh, all levels of, of courts, including the Supreme Court. And um, with these judge appointments, basically what the religious right has is some kind of uh, guarantee that their policies are going to pass. And that is exactly what is happening. So this year, eight states, I believe, have passed bills to limit abortion, access to abortion. And this is not just access to an abortion, but it's also access to family planning. And any kind of um, medical support for people to have bodily autonomy, especially when it comes to sexuality and reproduction. And this includes, of course, people um, being supported to be um, not heterosexual and whatever variation that comes out and not um, uh, gender normative. So any people who are trans or non-binary, right, are being really affected um, by these bills as well. So this is Utah, Missouri, Kentucky, Arkansas, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio, um, in all of these places, it's basically illegal to get abortion. There are such strict um, or, or strict restrictions around the procedure that the most recent bill that passed in Alabama, um, a doctor can get imprisoned for 99 years for performing an abortion. 
and a person who receives an abortion can go to prison for the rest of their life. There are no stipulations or, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, exclusions for a person who's been raped or if they are pregnant due to incest. The penalty or the punishment for someone who rapes someone, um, you know, Brock Turner, that frat boy fuckhead who raped a woman a couple of years ago, he got three years, three years, three fucking years. And meanwhile, a woman could go to prison for the rest of her life for not wanting to give birth to a baby that was conceived through rape. The bills that are passing right now, yes, they're about abortion, they're about family planning, but they are about a lot more than that. Our bodies have been policed and controlled for so long around, specifically around sexuality, reproduction, and gender. So I'm going to talk right now about women's bodies. And when I say women, I am including anyone who has had a a woman experience in some way. And so this includes anybody who has had a vagina and uterus and ovaries, anyone who presents themselves in the world in a way that um, other people see them and they go woman or feminine. There has been so much fear around women's bodies for thousands of years, and all the Abrahamic traditions have this. And so I'm not any kind of expert on anything else other than what I've lived in, but as a product of uh, the Western world that has been pretty much shaped by Christianity and Catholicism and Judaism, um, I know that these streams, these lineages are terrified of women's bodies and of women's empowerment. Terrified. Why? I don't know. I can guess. I can guess, but I really don't know. This has been going on for so long. When a woman's body is controlled, when she doesn't have bodily autonomy, when she can't choose whether or not she's going to give birth to a baby, uh, her life is controlled. Her energy, her vitality is controlled. For a really long time, women's lives have been taken up by mothering. And no shade to those of you who want a parent or who want a mother. And I know that there are a lot of people out there who are mothering, and it's a beautiful experience, and it's a spiritual experience, and it's really what you want to do. Thank you. You know, we we need the future. We need children who have wonderful parents who want to take care of them. And... For so long, women have had absolutely no choice about whether or not they're giving birth to babies and maybe a lot of babies and their entire lives are taken up by mothering. And that means that they cannot pursue leadership. They can't pursue uh, being a politician. They can't pursue being a priest. They can't pursue having any kind of voice, right? Taking up any kind of space in the world. And Policing and control of women's bodies goes hand in hand with devaluing women and keeping them away from roles where they have some power, where they can be part of creating legislation and laws and rules and belief systems. And it is not surprising to me that as more and more women step into places of power, and particularly as more um, 
people who do not fit the white supremacist capitalist patriarchal idea of what a woman should be step into roles of power that the far right that the Christian fundamentalists are fighting back, that they are madly trying to hold on to power. And one of the ways that they can surely hold on to power is by controlling our bodies. Because when they control our bodies, they control our time. They control our energy. They control our access to resources. If you have a kid, you have to provide for that kid. Abortion for a lot of people, I think, is, is not about whether or not they want to have a kid. I'm sure a lot of people get abortions and they would really like to have a kid and they can't have a kid because they don't have access to resources. They don't live in a world where that kid could get raised in a way that makes life worth living. The abortion ban and the way that our bodies are being controlled through violence through violation of our autonomy, through our choices, is not different than all the other societal bullshit that controls our bodies through these ports, through our sexuality, through our access to resources, through our access to voice. One of the reasons why someone might not want to have a kid is because they don't have enough money because they know that if they bring their child into the world, that child might uh, be more likely to be policed and incarcerated. And so the abortion bans, of course, are coming down harder on bodies of people who are suffering financial precarity. They can't leave. They can't make other choices, get other kinds of access, or have the resources to raise their child in a way that feels good to them. And if those people happen to live in bodies that don't have white skin, their bodies are more likely to end up in prison. And there's the school-to-prison pipeline that babies come into the world, they get put in our bullshit education system that doesn't educate kids, that doesn't give them a lot of options, that doesn't feed their humanity, that stifles them, that turns them on to fucking systematic thinking... People don't have access to jobs. They don't have access to health care. They don't have access to living a life that is worth living. Then they're policed. Then they are routinely stopped and frisked and checked and given violations for shit that other people walk away from scot-free. And the United States has the largest prison system in the entire world, and that prison system is mostly for profit. I don't remember how many prisons have been built since Trump went into office, but that's another thing that he's doing. The mass incarceration system is a profit system. It is a for-profit system. People are getting rich off of our bodies being put in prison. I say our as a global collective. I don't claim space there. I know that I'm privileged to live in a white female body that for the most part is ignored by police you know, by anyone who thinks people are doing wrong. Like, they're not looking at me a lot of the time. So a lot of reasons maybe that people wouldn't want to bring a kid into the world. There aren't resources. There are some really fucked up systems that don't give people access to life that's worth living, that put people into bodies where they're hungry, where they're scared, where there's feelings of insecurity, where there's violence all the time. 
And then those bodies end up working minimum wage jobs without health care, without any security net. They end up in prison. And what do we have in, pris- in prison? We have a for-profit industry that turns people into slaves. And I recognize that when I say that word, it has a lot of weight. And I want to take responsibility for my use of that word and just claim my position in using it. I'm sorry if I say that word and it, it does something to you. I don't mean it uh, as, as a violation or violence to your ears. But this is what happens to prisoners. In the wildfires that were happening in California all of last year, uh, I don't remember, again, the percentage, but a large percentage of the people fighting those fires were people who were incarcerated by the state of California. And they were being paid like a dollar a day or something like that. A, f- a job as a firefighter, if you actually have a job, is not a bad job to have. It's reasonable pay. It's amazing benefits. You get life insurance. The people who were incarcerated fighting fires had none of that. They weren't making any money. These for-profit prisons put people to work laboring, making products that are then being sold. Meanwhile, they are getting paid shit. They're not getting paid much. And then meanwhile, these for-profit prisons are charging them for everything. I've worked in prisons. They get charged for making phone calls. They get charged for using the internet. They get charged for buying soap. They get charged for food. They get charged for clothing. They make a very small amount of money laboring, And then all that money is taken back by these exorbitant prices that the prisons put on their fucking internet phone calls. $15 to call your mom, to call your kid. That's slavery. That's using people's bodies for profit, using their labor, using their energy, using their fucking lives. So the forces that are fighting for abortion bans and control over our reproduction and our sexuality are not separate from the forces that are profiting off of bodies later in life, after they've already been born, after they've already had a hard life, after they've already had no access to resources, after they've already been unfairly incarcerated for times that are way longer than they should be in there, and then put to work There's a a global economy of slavery right now. And a lot of it has to do with people reproducing. And that includes folks that are not being incarcerated. That includes all of us who are consumers. We're part of this. You know, we're hooked on cheap goods. We're hooked on Amazon Prime. We're hooked on imported everything. Asia has the largest percentage of slavery right now. Right now in 2019, there are millions of people who are living in slavery. And they're living in slavery due to economic conditions. They don't have resources. They have to work. They have to to make this machine run. Or they're living in slavery because they've been incarcerated, because something they've done something like try and have control over their bodies or try and get something to eat. Or maybe done nothing at all, but they were walking down the wrong street in the wrong body at the wrong time. This system is not separate from a global war machine. As I was saying in part one, 
when we are shut down from our safety, from our sense of being able to take up space in the world and feeling like we have the right to exist and have just a, you know, regular motherfucking life, like doesn't need to be anything special. I just want a safe place to sleep. I want enough food to eat. And I want people that I feel secure around clean air to breathe. And I don't have those things. And then I feel fearful. And what do people do when they are in a state of fear? They fight. And it's not just Trump. It's like an, it's an entire network of people. You read the news right now and you look at what's happening with Russia and with North Korea and with Iran and nuclear deals coming up and people on the brink of motherfucking war and a lot of forced migration, so much violence in South and Central America, all these big detainment centers that are being set up in, on the southern border of the United States. DHS, the Department of Homeland Security, is being abolished under Trump's new immigration plan, and ICE is taking over. ICE is an imprisonment system, detaining people, incarcerating people, torturing people, keeping them in inhumane conditions. What are they going to do? Eventually, probably turn those people into workers who, who don't get paid, who live in squalor who are not given access to the American dream, whatever the hell that means right now. So the stuff that's surfacing right now, I just want to say, it's like, you know, I've been really feeling the abortion thing, the ban on bodies, and feeling this outrage that this ban on our bodies and this war against our genitals and our wombs and our reproductive systems is not different than a a global system of slavery, than the global war machine and the rape and the violation and the destruction of this planet. And the system that is behind this, whatever that is, you know, it's, it's bigger than Trump. It is the American government since its inception And the way that governmental policies across the globe are working with each other and working with arms manufacturers and working with corporations that are producing cheap goods and profiting off of all of us. It's not separate. And that to me is what is coming up with this full moon because it is a very personal and subjective emotional experience that is triggering and being triggered by these long-held deep processes and death processes. And if you've listened to podcasts with me or checked in with astrology with other folks, um, the Saturn-Pluto conjunction that's happening with the South Node and Capricorn all of 2019 and 2020 this is big stuff. This is, you know, the end of, of an era and whatever the last era is that we are exiting. That was about, uh, you know, whatever ideas of industrial capitalism it has been, we're moving into something else now. And I don't know what it's going to be. It very well could be global dominance by Trump and Putin and Jong and 
whoever, you know, it, it, these leaders that are rising up, that are populist leaders, that are dictatorial, that imprison people in their countries for being gay, for smoking pot, for speaking out, for being a woman. You know, these are leaders that are rising right now and they have access to a lot of arms and they have access to a lot of power and their power is fueled by us buying shit, buying the stuff, our economic power and our bodily autonomy, our labor. And I say our as part of a global population that doesn't want to be controlled by these motherfuckers. This system is broken. It sucks. It's awful. It doesn't work for most of the planet certainly doesn't work for the planet, the actual (laughs) earth that we live on. Scorpio is also, you know, it's an energy of transformation. So I can keep going by thinking maybe all of this toxicity is surfacing because we're ready to look at it. We're ready to deal with it. And this is the moment. The moment is now. The moment to awaken is right now. There are enough of us that don't want this. There are enough of us that don't want this, and we are steadily increasing our economic power. There are enough people who are listening to this podcast, who are checking in with Chani Nicholas, has 200, over 200,000 people that are following her. She's a radical feminist queer astrologer. All these people are tuning into her. You know, enough people tuning in to like Rachel Maddow and following the green movement and the progressive movement. There is enough of us. We can change. There's enough of us that we can change something. We can take our power back from these exact places in our bodies. This is where we claim our power. How we claim our power is what we consume, what we buy, what we use our purchasing power for. Food is really big. Agricultural production is really big. A lot of what's happening in South and Central America is directly tied to agriculture. And what the big agra is doing in those parts of the world and how um, small farmers are being displaced and people's uh, livelihoods are being disrupted. Agriculture, access to land and home, this is really big. We can take our power back. We can... People that have money, people that have land, you can figure out how to use it. You don't need to own all of that shit. You can, you can say like, come live on my land, come live here for free. I'll help you build a house. You know, let's start the tiny house commune. I talk to, I talk to you all, you come in for sessions, you know, whoever's listening to embodied astrology, I'm going to guess that like 85% of you all have the same dream of the tiny house commune with the like communal area. And it's like, I want my own space, but I really want to live in community. And I don't want to spend my entire life energy trying to just pay rent. So how do we come together in this? How do we collect and amass our power and use it together? We have to shift the way that we're spending money. We have to encourage one another's bodily autonomy. And that means big up each other's sexuality, sexual preferences. As long as it's consensual, go for it. If it's your pleasure, go for it. Be in your body. Teach your children to love their bodies, to not be ashamed of masturbation. You know, teach your children that it's okay to poop and that they don't need to be ashamed of their assholes. That is revolutionary. It's like if people are not 
feeling ashamed in their bodies just for living in them, it means that these other entities cannot come in and take that shame and turn it into some kind of hook where we end up enslaved to their stupid ideas of what it means to be a good person in the world, to be able to take up space, to use our voices. Okay, that is the end of my rant for now. I am going to move on to part four. And in part four, I'm going to do a healing meditation. Take a few deep breaths and I'll be right back. This healing meditation is going to bring our awareness into the body rulerships of Taurus and Scorpio in a very simple way. And I want to offer this meditation as a practice of attunement. So it's a practice of attunement in our bodies. And the way that I'm going to offer it here is meditative. And so that means I'm going to ask you to take a certain amount of time and bring your attention into your body and really be with your body. But what I'm introducing is something that you could do in five seconds. It's a practice that I've been working with for the last week, really, um, actually longer than that. It started with the new moon in Taurus. So the last two weeks, I've been working with this almost every day. And I've been working with it in my seated meditation practice. I've been working with it in yoga and dance and um, I hike a lot, and so anytime I'm moving, but then also when I'm sitting on the computer and working and when I'm driving in a car and when I'm standing in line for something and when I'm talking to someone on the phone, I've been checking in. And I've been noticing that this practice is having a pretty profound effect in my body. It's very, very, very simple. And it's, it was for me hard at first, and I've been using it with some clients. I think for a lot of people, it's hard at first, but with consistent practice, even just a couple of days, it gets easier. So I just want to introduce this as a way of checking in and say that the practice itself could bring up um, a lot of stuff. So when you do this practice, you might want to give yourself like an hour and go through the um, sequence that I'm going to lead in just a second. But you might want to have like your journal close by to take down notes or to draw, or you might want to have a big um, block of time and nobody around. So you can cry and scream and use your voice and move your body. And you might want to have like a group of people that you can do this with and everybody does it and you kind of check in with each other and educate and experience together. A lot of different ways you can do this, okay? So let's do just a little bit of locating once again and we'll start with the face and so you can bring your hands to your cheekbones And use your hands to rub around the place where your cheekbones and your ears kind of come close to each other. And you'll feel your lower jaw joint. And rub around the muscles of your lower jaw so that you release the hinge of the jaw. And as you do this, just take some really deep breaths. 
So you can inhale and then exhale and sigh out your mouth as your jaw is releasing. And take a couple of breaths where you stick out your tongue. And stretch the root of the tongue. And really stretch the lower jaw down. And use your hands to massage as you stretch the lower jaw down. And then kind of see if you can rest in the residue of that, of sticking your tongue way out and stretching your tongue and kind of massaging and opening the jaw. And then just kind of like let that go, but don't close your mouth. Like let the lower jaw come in as much as it naturally does, but don't clench the jaw, don't shut the jaw. And feel that your tongue is really relaxed. And if you need to stretch it out again or stick it out again, do that, but then just really let it relax and try and let the root of the tongue and the hinge of the tongue soften and kind of just rest in your lower palate. So the tip of the tongue rests below the lower teeth and the root of the tongue is wide and soft, not hard. And this is the first part of the meditation is to just feel the release in the jaw joint and the hinge of the tongue and the root of the tongue. And then just take some deep breaths and notice what that does for you. Again, if it's challenging to maintain that, just notice and keep bringing your intention there. For me, this brings an almost immediate softening to my frontal uh, cranial area, like forehead and eyeballs. And it also creates a release for me in the suboccipital region. That's the base of the skull where my brain and spinal cord meet. And just letting my tongue and my jaw relax is a, it's a parasympathetic response. So it kind of relaxes the entire organ chain. And you might feel a corresponding sensation. And for some, it may be relaxation. And for some, it might be actually tension in your stomach, in your belly, or your throat. That as this place releases, um, if there's tension arising, it's just tension that was being held in the mouth and jaw is now moving uh, to another part in the digestive chain and the organ bodies. Um, And then if you're feeling relaxed and released there, it's that the tension that was being held in the jaw allows now um, a release to happen through the whole chain. I feel different things different days, and it goes back and forth. So if you're feeling one right now, doesn't mean you won't feel the other the next time. If you do notice that tension moves, and that as you relax your jaw and your tongue, you notice that there's a lot of tightness or gripping somewhere else, and that could be anywhere in the body, but Probably for a lot of folks, it's going to be somewhere in the torso or the belly, maybe around the diaphragm, kind of uh, below your heart area, Um, maybe in the intestinal area, kind of like behind your belly button, potentially in the back and neck or shoulders. So if, if other tension is arising then in your awareness, then 
kind of breathe in and if it's possible to breathe through your nose, you can breathe in through your nose and just imagine that your breath is traveling into the associated tension and that as you exhale, you're just inviting softness into those places and a kind of oozy, melty feeling. And then we'll do the second part of the meditation. And so as, as I um, uh, asked you to do or invited you to do in part one, you can palpate again your um, nether region. You can use your hands and feel your genitals and feel your asshole and feel your pelvic floor. And just explore a little bit. Like it doesn't have to be anything other than touching your body. You know, you're just making contact. You're like, what's, what's going on down there? I want to feel, um, this part of my body. I want to bring my awareness to it. And then when you've brought some awareness through palpation, you can keep your hands there if it's helpful or let them go if you don't need them and really try and relax your genitals and relax your asshole. This is hard for a lot of people. And you might do it like for a second and then it clenches up again. And then you can do it for another second and then it'll clench up again. So it's a practice. And I know I've, I've worked with a lot of people with this. And sometimes like right away, there's an emotional response. And so if that's happening for you, that you get into this part of your body and you go, okay, I'm going to relax. And then right away you feel like you're choking or right away you feel like you're going to scream or right away you feel pain in your body or something. Take some deep breaths, move in and out of your experience. And so if something feels really intense, just like open your eyes, look around, um, you know, use your hands and touch somewhere that feels neutral, like your knee or like your uh, scalp or your forehead or something. Take some deep breaths, hear sounds, see colors, see light, and then go back when you're ready. And when we can titrate like this, we, we can move um, in and out of a sensation that's very intense and then something that just feels like normal, then we can recalibrate our baseline. And as you bring attention into your pelvic floor, for many of us, we are bringing attention to sites of trauma. And I just want to say that, that this is a huge site of trauma for many, many people, regardless of whether you've experienced overt hostility or violation in this part of your body, you have definitely experienced hostility and violation through media, through messaging, through cultural beliefs, etc. It doesn't matter your gender, it doesn't matter sexuality, everybody, you know, anybody who's, uh, grown up in this world, this is a site of trauma. Now, as you gain the ability to um, just be present in this part of your body, and again, this is something that a lot of us just need to practice, and it happens over time, then similar to the jaw and the tongue, you might notice like, oh, as I relax my pelvic floor, as I relax my genitals, as I relax my asshole, like I feel other stuff. I get tension in my belly or I feel like a shakiness or, you know, some other thing starts to grip. And then you just move your breath awareness into that place as well. 
and you invite it to melt a little bit. And in my mind's eye, I kind of see like watercolors and like when I notice a place of a lot of tension, it feels like a very um, like intense and solid color to me. And then as I bring my breath in, I kind of see it dissolving like watercolor. So if that image is helpful to you, please use it. Okay, and then the third part of the meditation is to do both at the same time. So relax the root and the hinge of your tongue, relax your jaw, relax the the length of the tongue all the way down to like the middle of the throat and the base of the throat and relax your genitals and relax your pelvic floor and relax your asshole and try and do them all at the same time and whatever parts of the body then light up and so for me a lot of times when I do this not all the time but a lot of times immediately then I get like constriction in my diaphragm like when I relax these two places then I'm like oh my god I have all this anxiety feeling and this tightness in my diaphragm and so then what I do is I invite the breath in through my nose and I imagine that kind of watercolor spreading sensation moving through this area of my body and I think for many people it's this because it's uh, kind of where your swallowing function meets your um, guts and that's like right below the sternum. But you could feel um, accumulated tension in anywhere else, like even like your little finger or something. It doesn't matter where it is. You'll just know it because it'll make itself um, noticed right away. And so you bring your breath in and invite anything to soften and then just keep coming back to this idea of relationship between the oral uh, opening and then the um, pelvic openings. Now, in both of these places, we can imagine um, how energy moves in and how energy moves out. And especially in regards to what I was talking about in part three um, and in uh, parts one and two, how we get hooked emotionally, psychologically, energetically through these parts of our body, you can imagine um, a trigger warning. Okay, so I'm going to talk about how our bodies are maybe violated you can imagine how like in a horse uh, a horse's bit like with a horse and bridle um the bit comes like way back uh under its tongue and the control of the mouth is what then controls the entire body and i hate watching horses um in bridles it I, it makes me feel so uh sad and i like immediately kind of take on the the feeling in my own body and feel like I'm going to puke and I feel really angry and upset because and and our bodies I should say like human bodies um have experienced this too right like control through the mouth and um or some something I, I don't need to go into more of a description than that but control through the mouth that kind of pulls back and it's like a it, it can be a choking or it can be a restraint I'm saying that and I'm just having a lot of feelings come up 
and images flash through my head. And um, these images and associations are really iconic, really archetypal. For a lot of people, they may feel intensely personal. If that's happening for you, honor it, like honor whatever stories are coming up. And then you can um, bring your loving kindness, you can bring your healing capacity, you can bring your care and your tenderness to this part of your body. And again, work with release, kind of allow your tongue and your jaw (sighs) to release. And I find that sounding is really helpful. And the other day when I was doing this meditation, I ended up retching for a while and like tongue sticking out and kind of like, like feeling like, oh, like there's so much toxicity and like, ah, get it out. And so if that happens for you, just know that that can be very normal. It's actually healthy just to let it out, but titrate for yourself, like go in and out of that experience. If it starts to feel really intense or if it brings you into an uh, emotional place that feels like, oh my God, this could be too much for me. Open your eyes, take deep breaths, look around your space, touch your body in somewhere that feels neutral. Recognize that in this moment right now, there's safety. And take as much time as you need to go in and out of that experience. When you attune to the way that the pelvic area can be controlled and where violation can come in, the same practice happens. And so you're attuning to the way that other energy can come in and take up residence in your body, can take up control. And then you may feel the need to expel. And by expelling You could be squatting. You could be bearing down. You might literally want to go and take a shit. Um, You might need to open your mouth and scream. You might want to stamp your feet on the floor. You might need to do a lot of movement in your spine as you release this. And so if it feels like there's something in your body and you, you need to move it out, Use your imagination, use your words, use your visualization and your energetic felt sense and push it out, expel it. And you are free to take up space with your affirmation, your words. And so there may be names, there may be specific circumstances. You can say like, there is no place for you here anymore. Leave. No. You do not belong here. This was never yours. This is not yours. Get out. And again, you take your time. You move in and out. You come into the experience. You move out of the experience. Look around. Get your safety. Get your bearings. Take your breaths. And if it's possible, and when you're ready, and these experiences can go back and forth with each other, right? So it's not like, oh, I finish up working with trauma, and then all of a sudden I get into pleasure. We can invite other kinds of experiences in. So if you're working and you're like, oh my God, there's like a lot of stuff here. It feels really intense, feels really deep, feels really messy. I need a different experience. 
give yourself a different experience and come into these parts of your body through a doorway of pleasure. You can take deep breaths in through your nose, through your mouth, big exhales out. You can let your voice out and you might want to initiate your voice from your pelvic floor, from your low belly. You might say your name again and again and again and again. And you can claim your space. You can say your name over and over. You can say, I'm here. I belong here. You can say, I deserve pleasure. I deserve happiness. I deserve support. I deserve sustenance. I am enough. You can give yourself whatever messages you need to give yourself that feel like that's the healing that you need. That's the healing message. And when you speak those words, when you intone them, Try and really occupy your body and feel your lower body, feel your pelvic area as much as you can relaxed. You might imagine the the root of your tailbone growing long like a spear and plunging into the earth so that your spine is connected all the way into the root of the earth, into the fire at its core. And when you speak and when you open your mouth and when you set a boundary and when you make the affirmation, you say it with the power of the fire at the center of the earth. Intone it. Feel the strength of your legs. Bend your knees. Press your feet into the ground. Say like, I'm here, motherfuckers. Like, this is my space. This is your body. Take up your space. And in whatever way makes sense to you, you can use your hands, you can use your awareness, you can use your breath, occupy your pelvic floor and invite awareness, invite release, invite pleasure. Know that your body is capable of so much power, so much pleasure. You can occupy your body, you can occupy your space, you can say no, you can say yes. And you might want to spend some time saying yes. And you can hold your body. You can use your hands to hold your genitals, to hold your low belly, to hold your butt. Bring your attention. Go like, you're right. You're good. (laughs) Reverse the messaging that you've received in your life. Think about what feels good to you and affirm it. Say, yes, 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 yes. You get that. You can have that. It's okay. If pleasure in this part of your body is an imagination, if it's fictional, if you haven't experienced that, imagine it. Imagine peace. Imagine comfort. Imagine tenderness. Imagine allowing. Maybe you see it as a color. Maybe you see it as a gesture. Maybe you see it as a space. Invite it into your body Give your inner child and your ancestors and whatever other memories are living here the affirmation that yes, you are allowed to be here. You're allowed to want what you want. You can take up this space. And then you go back and forth. And you go back and forth between connecting to the power in these places, power that comes in, that takes up residence, that occupies your body, that takes from your body, power that you say yes to, power that uh, you affirm, and your own power to take up your own space, to occupy your own body, 
to say yes, to say no, to say what you want, to say what you need. And then you go back and forth between the body sensation and just this moment, just this present moment right now. And in the present moment, you have all of your sense organs at your disposal. You can hear, you can smell, you can touch, you can breathe, you can locate yourself, name things, say, I am here, this is now, I'm listening to this meditation, I'm doing this practice. Go back and forth and back and forth. And then apply it. When you've done this one or a million times in the privacy of your own space and you've worked with your emotional process, work with it the rest of the time. Go to the office and sit down in your chair and go, am I alive in my pelvic floor right now? Or sit across the person that you're meeting for the first time because you're online dating and go like, is my jaw relaxed? Is the hinge of my tongue released? Check in. Whenever I begin or end a meditation, I like to take some space for ritual. And to end a meditation, especially something like this that has potential to bring up um, a lot of feelings, I think it's important to um, end with closure and to give some kind of, of containment to this experience. That containment can look a lot of different ways. So it can look like journaling and having some kind of uh, release that comes out through expression. It can look like a prayer, you know, just talking to yourself, uh, talking to God, goddess, talking to your spiritual guides, your ancestors. You can ask for integration. You can ask for help to understand and integrate whatever has come up. And you can ask that the work that you've done um, does no harm, does no further harm, that it serves your healing and your best benefit and the good for all beings. You can offer the, the fruits of this practice um, to the greater whole. Anything that I've experienced here, I know that my experiences are not separate from the experiences of the whole. And so any understanding or surfacing or healing that's happened, I offer that back. There may be other ways that you want to close. Um, do what's good for you. Do you. Give yourself time with that. And as we resist all of uh, the bullshit that's happening in our world, we also want to promote all of this really powerful growth that's happening growth of personal awareness, growth of relationship and integrity in relationships and how we're processing and working with ourselves and healing together. And there are a lot of people who are stepping into leadership and who are speaking loud and who are speaking truth. Um, I want to give a big shout out to Ilhan Omar, um, who I'm just so impressed by, uh, this Muslim black woman from Minnesota, um, who is just such a fucking badass and, you know, support her, support people like her, um, to speak, to speak up, to speak truth and to take up space. We can do that by taking up space in our own bodies, by doing this kind of work. So this is part of our activism. This is really political to be in your body, to do this kind of work is activism. Definitely. And uh, we need activism. So um, 
donate to Ilhan, donate to the Yellowhammer Fund, donate to Planned Parenthood. Um, there's something called Plan C, and this uh, is an organization that works to support medical abortions. That means people take a pill. Really easy. It has been around for like 20 years. Um, Plan C is the only organization I know of that has a resource page on their website with online um, suppliers of these abortion pills, and they have a report card for these online suppliers. And I believe that you do not require a prescription or a doctor's note, and that's important for women whose access is being denied. Um, We have the internet. And we have networks, and we have groups of friends, and we have herbalists, so you don't just need to take a pill. There's natural ways to abort a baby if you don't want to have that baby, and there are natural ways to work with your own fertility cycles and um, be in autonomy with your body. Get on the internet, help spread this information around, um, support one another. And I think that's it for me. So this has been a powerful and kind of intense podcast to make. I don't really remember the last time I had so much come up while recording. Um, I hope that it reaches you in a healing space and that anything that I offer serves your healing as well. May this full moon and everything that is surfacing at this time be easily resolved, easily processed, easily integrated. May it serve your health. May it serve your healing. May it serve your well-being. May it serve a deeper understanding and your activism and your voice and your power. That's my intention. If you want more astrology, check in with me early next week. Gemini season begins on Tuesday, May 21st, and I will be releasing the Gemini season offerings. And that offering includes your audio horoscopes, all 12 signs, month ahead and Gemini for you. It also includes an embodiment and meditative awareness to work with Gemini for everybody. What is this energy? How does it function through us, specifically through our minds and through our communications? And uh, the month ahead forecast, which is an audio recording and a PDF. And that PDF is a kind of calendar slash journal. You can use it to plan for the month ahead astrology, to use it for your best benefit. You can also use it to contextualize your life where you're like, what the fuck is going on today? And then you write in your embodied astrology journal and you're like, oh, this is the thing that's going on. Okay, that makes sense. Um, the horoscopes and the guided meditation are going to be free and the month ahead, um, offerings are for purchase and, um, you can get all that information at embodiedastrology.com. And I do want to say that subscribers get access to everything. And if you become a monthly donor, you become a subscriber and you can donate any amount per month. That means $1 up to a hundred dollars or more, um, You support and sustain my work, and I really want to support and sustain you with the work that I do. So please consider becoming a subscriber, and you will get all of that. 
Um, this work is offered for free. So if you want to send a one-time donation or any other kind of support, and that could include likes and hearts and five-star reviews and emails to me, I love hearing from you. Even if I don't respond, when you write to me and send me a message and you tell me what's going on for you, it like warms my heart. It keeps me going. So thanks for reaching out. Um, I hope that you enjoy this work. And uh, if you have financial support to give right now, and it's just a little bit, please consider instead of donating to me, uh, donate to the Yellow Hammer Fund, which allows women in Alabama, people in Alabama to access abortion, donate to Plan C, donate to Planned Parenthood, donate to Ilhan Omar, donate to all the amazing organizations that are doing really important work to um, advocate for our bodily autonomy and our environmental sustainability. Give your money if you have it. You don't need to keep it give it away. Thanks for listening, everybody. Happy full moon. Bye for now.